The Bulls have three seconds to try a shot and try to win the game. This is the Notebook Wagering Podcast. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Coming to you from the betting deck. Don't believe what I just saw. Here are your hosts. Hello, and welcome back to another edition of the Notebook Wagering Podcast. I am Jay Cam, and we got the whole gang here tonight with Smitty, Maddie, and Q. We have, as always, a special guest joining us tonight, Ryan Hyatt, the guy we know very well from the One More Podcast. He's the host of that with Jick Jack Johnson, a good friend of ours, as well as uh, a radio host on 103.9 in Lubbock and also just Texas Tech general expert. And Ryan, how are you doing tonight? Man, it's a beautiful night. I appreciate you guys having me on. It's great to be able to return the favor. Y'all were so much fun on the uh, One More podcast. And, you know, I was on the Trapper Keeper podcast a few months ago. The Notebook, though, is much better than the Trapper Keeper. I, I, I'm, I'm really fired up. Absolutely. Absolutely. We don't break at the hinges. You know, we have the nice no. spiral bound. It keeps it all tight together. So exactly. we take pride in quality that. binder. <laughs> but the, but sometimes like, if you have awesome. to rip out a sheet of paper, you get those little frays. I'm not a big fan of that. No. I think today's talk up Tuesday. Just keep talking us up. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, there you go. Well, I've already said the last time we were on podcast which you just have a fantastic podcast with all the great guys on there bill and jick jack and stevie bill wasn't there the last time when we came on but like i said on laughed that was one of the hardest i've laughed doing a show that was just fantastic you guys have a lot of fun why don't you go into a little bit of that how'd you get i'd like to ask that because jick jack is such a good friend of ours how'd you get to know all those guys and how'd you kind of get wrangled in working with them man it is one of those things where everything just kind of comes together so it really all revolves around our friends there at vsin and michael lombardi so i had had michael lombardi on my radio show several times over the last couple of years after listening to his show on vsin and seeing what he was doing uh you know some of the vsin guys have been kind enough to have me on then i started hearing carl uh jick jack there on lombardi's show and i'm like oh my god i gotta know more about this cat you know, you're hearing on a Saturday morning, we're talking about we're eating biscuits and gravy at like 5 a.m. and everything. And then, and then we're getting down on the lines. So I'm like, OK, so we kind of he kind of started dipping into my deal. I had him on my show. Then it revolved around Berman. And nobody does anybody actually know what Berman does. <laughs> no, no, one knows. <laughs> no one knows what Berman does. You know, at least Stevie Shrimp, he's got a job. Nobody knows what the hell Berman does other than live next to Lombardi. So it kind of became this deal and they were, they had me on the podcast early on back in basketball season. And it kind of developed where, you know, it's like they needed kind of a Patrick Maher, the way Maher runs, you know, the show there with Lombardi. I said, I can be your Patrick Maher. I mean, I'm better looking. I'm probably taller. Never seen the guy in person, you know, I got better taste. I can cook better. I said, I'll be your Patrick Maher. So I'm like Julie, the cruise director with the one more podcast. 
I get you down to the Lido deck. We play shuffleboard. We have fun, and I make those guys look good. And it's an easy, hell of a fun job to do. And it's not a job. It's just fun to do. I love doing it. I love you guys when you're on. Ryan, I'm going to be in Atlantic City in two weeks. I'll do some reconnaissance and not only see if I can get out of Bill Berman what he does, but maybe I can even get a picture with him because I don't even know what he looks like. No, I mean, I've seen some undercover photos. Doesn't necessarily look like Burt Reynolds, but kind of. Never seen him in the same place. Well, we had, I, I know we just had a blast. Like I said, I mean, that show was so much fun. The Golden Girls was from Stevie was just fantastic. And we ran with that on Twitter for, that was a good couple of days that Matt was posting stuff and we were posting stuff. So again, anytime you need somebody to come on the show, I know we'll come on. You got it. So All right, let's, I was going to kick off into, let's kind of see, you know, obviously we mentioned that you do one Oh three, nine, the show. And then you, you, you know, you're involved heavily with, uh, with Texas tech Raider athletics kind of walk us through, you know, how you got involved with them and, you know, what your, your current status is with them and, and, and you know, how you're affiliated and all that. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been covering Texas tech since the late eighties. I went to Texas tech from 88 to uh, 92. Uh, I really thought they'd want me to play football, but they didn't. They had a guy named Billy Joe Tolliver there. So I, my, my uh, football exploits were not needed. So I figured the next best thing was to go to the little campus radio station, stay involved in sports. And I did that, got involved, fell into doing play-by-play, -play, you know, baseball, basketball, everything you could do, all that stuff over the years. Did a daily call-in show from uh, 94 to 2012. I've got a, a son and I kind of stepped away from the daily stuff at that point from the play-by-play -play that I was doing everything. Wanted to call his games. Um, started another daily show that I said I'd never do again, but radio is an evil mistress. And I started about a year and a half ago there on 103.9 FM during the middays. So yeah, covered Texas Tech on that. Um, you know, our show is not hyper-tech focused. It's, it's fairly expansive, but yeah, that's what we do. And that's kind of how I fell into it. I was just literally... When they needed somebody to do a gig or a job or a game, I was the only one, only one home who had nothing going on. So I answered the phone and I went and did the game. And that's how you get stuck in this business. I hadn't had a, hadn't had a promotion in 35 years. <laughs> I hear you on that one. You gotta love it. You gotta love it. So how you exciting was it though when Tech got to the Final Four a couple of years ago? It's actually been a pretty good period in Texas Tech athletics. Yeah, that was really uh, that was really a special run. That was a good team. They were kind of struggling in mid late January, and they put together a really nice run there with Chris Beard and Mark Adams, who's now the head coach of Texas Tech. But you know, for Texas Tech, all of a sudden you wake up and a Texas Tech fan base. The moment it hit me, and I didn't get to go to Minneapolis to cover the Final Four. We didn't have it built into our coverage budget. <laughs> you know, you're not typically going. So I'm I'm sitting here at home. And I'm watching the broadcast, and there's Jim Nance on TV. And he's doing the VA. He's doing the open, right? And it's Texas Tech. And you're seeing the double T logo, and you're, you're seeing all the other – and you're going, huh, this is really pretty cool. This is actually happening. And then we will not talk about the last 45 seconds of the game against Virginia. No need to bring that up. Thank you. Painful. <laughs> Foul him in the corner. Did it? Did they foul? Take a timeout. Foul him. Don't let him shoot. Don't bring it up. <laughs> Love it. Uh, with Texas Tech, obviously, like Jason was saying, you know, you kind of had a good run athletically wise. 
Um, you know, you've had Pat Mahomes come out of there, so he was electric, uh, not necessarily record. You've had the Final Four. And you had a, a College World Series appearance, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I want to say the year Coastal won. Um, what is your kind of favorite memory of, of Texas Tech athletics, you know, since, since you've been involved in the 80s? Okay, I'm going to go way back, and it's going to be when uh, Texas Tech women's basketball won the national championship in 93. I was one year removed as a student. Uh, doing play-by-play, I knew all the players. A lot of us had gone to school together. We knew each other. And had we had any idea, great moments are wasted on the youth. You don't know. Then we knew it was really cool. We knew it was awesome when it happened. And, of course, for those who don't know, this is the team that had Cheryl Swoops on it and, you know, all that good stuff. But you're sitting there, you know, you're 22, 23 years old, and you're looking around and you go, this is really cool. But you have no idea how hard it is to actually win a national championship in college athletics. And in the moment we thought, yeah, tech will get there again. And tech went to four more or three more final, uh, not final fours, but regional finals while I was doing play by play. And you kept thinking, you'll get back, you'll get back. You don't always get back. And looking back now at my 52 year old self on that moment, you know, you go, wow, that, Again, coolness is wasted on the youth. And I wish I'd had the awareness to soak it all in, in the moment, and realize what I had been a part of, what I'd seen that program grow, do, be there every day, be there at practice, be all that stuff. And then it translates into a title. And you think, well, this is going to happen all the time. Ask Dan Marino. Sometimes you don't get back. This is true. I know him very well, uh, being a Dolphins fan, so I, I can relate yeah. to that. Hey, Ryan, I have a completely off-the-wall question for you. Being from Texas, what is more important, an awesome hat or a killer pair of boots? You see, when I put on a hat, I look like Charlie Brown on steroids. <laughs> so I would say a really good pair of boots can get you a lot farther the key on that is the stack on the jeans. Now you got to wear your jeans right. You got to have what we call a stack. So whatever your pants length is, add about two to three inches on that. So they come back down on the bottom. They stack up a little bit down there on the bottom. You don't want them sitting there up like you're wearing high top, you know, whatever, and sidewinders. And you see, no, 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 no. You got to have the stack on the jeans. So the boots and the jeans are a combo deal. Then after that, the hat's kind of a bonus. Most of the guys who are really good hats. All hat, no cattle. You can, tell, you can tell by the stack on the jeans and the boots. Matt, I was going to say you should have said belt buckle. How about that? Well, I got the hat. Now, I'm in the market for a really good pair of boots. So There you go. I got a hat right over there. It's, it's pretty – it's not really good. It's on the other side of the desk. But yeah. Do yourself a favor and buy a nice pair of Lucchese's. You will not regret it. Ooh, now we're talking fancy stuff right now. My uh, <laughs> Ryan, is anybody? This is totally random. Uh, before we move on, has anybody ever told you you sound kind of like a like a country or a southwestern version of Dan Patrick? Like uh, I, no. Well, actually, I'm, no. I'm gonna be the one to I'll tell take you. that. I will take that as a hell of a compliment, though. You just have that voice, and and it's just it immediately reminded me of Dan Patrick calling a game. You know, whether it was in a movie or, or you know in real life, and and I, I just keep drawn to that, and it's a compliment. It's it's a definitely a prototypical radio voice. Um, you know, we love to hear that. I think it's awesome. Um, I'm still working on mine. I'm not quite deep in the chat <laughs> yet, but uh, 
we're gonna get some chest hair and we're gonna get there one day i uh i gotta get uh, the voice it's my mom's voice i have to return it to her at some point but yeah i got my voice <laughs> from my mom she's you know, very deep voice hey ryan i had a quick question uh going back to basketball college basketball with beard heading to texas what was the just on every time they played each other this year texas tech and texas just an unbelievable environment can you just describe to our listeners about the atmosphere every time they played this year yeah i can any of y'all ever been divorced (laughs) no yeah okay that's good but now imagine this you're divorced and you're going to throw a dinner party and you've got your new wife and you get to invite your ex-wife and some of her friends over to the dinner party with 50 of your closest friends. That's what it was like when Chris Beard came back to love it. It was vitriol. It was sports hate. It was everything we love and despise and whatever. And it had to happen. It was, an outpouring of emotion on the tech fan base of we love you. We hate you. We can't believe you did this. You went where, and we're going to beat the crap out of you. And they did. And then they went down to Austin, did it again, which is like going to your ex-wife's house with her new husband and eating all the good barbecue, taking a leak in the hall and then driving off in their El Camino. Sounds like, so that's what it was like. That sounds like a hell of a time actually. It really actually happens all the time around here. This is really not unusual. If you had been some, if you had been some magic mushrooms, man, that's like a that's like a mini novel. Down there in Austin, that's actually very possible. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad I brought that up. I really am. That's a story you just ask. You just say that's weird, but then you ask what happened next. Like that is just I, you're just dangling the bait over me, and I'm just, I, you just have to you know you're you're actually contemplating trying it. Yeah, I mean, good. He could not have picked a worse location than Texas, right? I mean, that is literally if there there could have been any other school. Because I mean, obviously, there's a little bit with that now. With uh, I think McCullers is going to Kansas, transferring from Texas Tech. It's not going to be nearly the same level, but I mean, Beard literally could not have picked the worst place. No, he could have. He could have actually said, "I am going to go coach the Chicom national team against American Tech fans." Would have been like, "Well, at least it's not Texas." (laughs) <laughs> uh, so we're kind of just spitballing here I'll, I'll fire off another total random question about texas though how bad of shape is the texas football program in that they had zero draft picks this year like what's what's the state down there it it, it kind of seems like they've become an afterthought lately to even the basketball team it really is amazing and it, it, it's hard to fathom because they, they still don't recruit down there. They do still select. They really get the cream of the crop. They're going to get, you know, fill in a blank percentage-wise of some of the best athletes, football players coming out of the state of Texas every year. That's a pretty good recruiting class. You add, you know, 20, uh, 15 of those over three years, you, you would think five of those would translate. So obviously not being developed. The culture there. The best way I can describe the culture there for UT football over the last several years is what Yogi Berry used to say. It's hard to wake up early when you sleep in silk pajamas. And it's an incredibly soft program. They have every monetary advantage. They give them everything they want. And they tell them from day one, 
you're the best, you're the greatest, blah, blah, blah. Then they get down there, they try to challenge them, they don't want to play. Now, somebody from UT is going to say, well, that's just somebody from Texas Tech saying that. No, it's empirically proven. They're not getting better down there. They're not developing. It's not a Sarkeesian thing. And this was, we saw this at the end of the Mac Brown era. We saw Charlie Strong tried, tried to come in there and change it. You've had four different coaches over the last decade and nothing changes because it's the culture. Until they change the culture around the program of, to a toughness culture instead of an entitled culture, it's not going to matter. And when they get to the SEC, they'll be lucky to be Mississippi State. And nobody wants to be that. <laughs> but how do you ask this? How do you change that? Because the culture is, is especially at UT, and I have a good buddy who's who's a very, very big fan of UT. The boosters are the ones that enable it because they bring the money to the table for these guys. You know, whether there were NIL deals prior or not, you know, we know the, the McDonald's brown bag was being handed to these guys. Right. And, and, but then, you know, Charlie Strong has a great reputation of changing Louisville. Uh, it comes in, you know, like you said, tried to change the, uh, the culture and it's shot down. So, you know, if, how do you, it's kind of, you know, you're biting the hand that feeds you because the, the boosters feed you, but then you, you know, you you turn on them and they just flick you off, you know, bye, you're done. So like, how do you change that in the state of Texas? What is, what's the answer that they need to do really? I don't have an answer. And I think that that really is the salient question. You look at that program and you say, okay, nobody down there in Austin, nobody associated with that program wants to have the idea of we got to punch up, that other people are potentially better. And we're kind of an under, we got to fight harder. They want to be, they perceive themselves. And this is really a big generalization. So forgive me again, Texas fans, but this is a generalization that the idea is that we're Texas. We are Texas. And you guys got to come at us. Well, you hadn't been Texas for a long time. In fact, let's look at it. How many national championships has Texas won since the Southwest Conference integrated? I believe just one. One. Then it's young, correct? One time. Oh, five. They're the yeah. southern version of Michigan, if we want to get into I, underachieving yeah. entitlement <laughs> programs. That's exactly right. <laughs> but – you so there is this pride. view. Sorry, guys. There's this view there in Who Austin. Who brought this guy on base? <laughs> and they're not. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. They're uh, they've. It's. I think the SEC for them is going to be a, a, a culture shock, and it maybe is what is going to take them to kind of wake up because, like you said, you know, you're going to be striving to be Mississippi State. You know, you're not running the conference, and and not only are you going into the SEC, but you're going to be in the SEC West, yeah. uh, do the four conferences, and and that's a cutthroat. I mean, those teams beat each other up. That's why the teams have three losses. They dominate everybody else outside of the conference, and you're walking into a you know a pit bull fight, and you're you know you're a terrier. So we'll, we'll see, um, guys. I, I kind of want to transition into uh, you know in season sports right now. And uh, so Texas Tech Raider baseball, it's a pretty hot topic right now. Um, you know, I follow baseball probably the closest out of us four. Um, and, and they're in an interesting spot right now. So D1 baseball has them currently as a two seed coming up to, to our hometown area, College Park, Maryland. Uh, but they make a solid run in the Big 12 tournament. They're in a the discussion to be a top 16 host. You know, what's kind of the um, – 
what's the 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 ideology down there or you know kind of with the word on the street what are, what are things looking like down your way uh yeah so tim tadlock texas tech baseball coach he's really uh, you know not valued the big 12 tournament over the years most of the time the haze in the barn it's not going to matter will it change this year i don't know he is very reluctant to do anything that's going to stress pitching this time of year they'll start tomorrow they will pitch a weekend guy in the first game aj molina They'll bring their frontline pitchers after that, however long they stay around. The way the Big 12 tournament's set up, it's basically uh, two four-team pods, and they play to a championship, so whatever. Um, I don't know how much Tech can get out of the Big 12 tournament to move into a top 16 seed. They've got a lot of RPI to make up. I don't know that they can do it. The committee over the years has really looked at these postseason tournaments and said, we really don't care. Last year, Mississippi State went 0-2 in the SEC tournament didn't matter they got what they got uh could texas tech maybe move up a little bit on the two seed line maybe but tim tadlock's history has been i'm not going to do anything over the course of three or four days to compromise what i've got to do next week in a regional and going forward so i i kind of anticipate tech going one and two maybe getting out of there not stressing uh their two best pitchers are andrew morris and the big toll pitcher there uh brandon birdsell who'll, who'll start the uh, third game i I don't think they're going to do too much for it. Big 12 is an interesting league this year. TCU wins it clear. Um, they're barely on an RPI host track. The best RPI is Oklahoma State. I think they'll get a host in the top 16. And I think Texas Tech will be on the road wherever they end up. I'll tell you what. I mean, even if the RPI is not standing strong with them, I think they have them at 37 currently. The right. Big 12 is still mean baseball. When you look at the teams, like you just mentioned, TCU, you know, throwing Texas because they're kind of come back to life after that that rough uh, patch they had. You know, Texas Tech, TCU, Oklahoma State, like there's some good ball. And uh, even at a two seed, like I told the boys last week, you know, as I follow the the weekly projections, like there's a lot of one seeds that I see upset by a two and a three seed this year. Uh, I think the one seeds can be kind of weak, to be honest. Uh, with scheduling and, and there's some scary twos out there that's for sure and, and I think Texas Tech is one of them as well as as my uh, my team the Gators I think that they can both make a deep run now that they're getting hot and, and things like that I think it's really interesting you look around college baseball this year it's it's kind of been like there's Tennessee and what Tony Vitello is doing and then everybody else maybe Oregon State on their best days although I think their record's a little hyperinflated I know they've got a strong strength to schedule but okay they're not the same Oregon State they were a couple of years ago Beyond that, I'm with you guys that I think a lot of ones are vulnerable. You know, Bandy's going to be a one. Bandy's looked average at times this year. Uh, Miami, uh, what are they sitting there? Nine RPI. Sorry, I'm pulling up the uh, D1. Yeah, so they're nine going in. Uh, I don't. I think once you get past the top two or three teams, everybody from about five to twenty is pretty much the same team. Who's going to show up? Who's going to get good frontline pitching in the regional? Can you get to two and zero? Oh? And then we're off and running. The teams that will go 2-0 and in the regionals this year, I think are going to win it. Brian, uh, so a few weeks ago, we talked some baseball as well. And I brought up a little team from San Marcos, Texas. Uh, the Texas State Bobcats, who have dominated the Sunball Conference. You brought up some records here. They actually have the second best record in all of college baseball. If they get into, say, a super regional, 
Do you think they have any chance to potentially pull a little bit of an upset, maybe sneak into the yeah, series? they got a really good frontline pitcher. I cannot remember his name right now, so forgive me. I'm old. Um, and I've got a good friend who used to work in Lubbock who does play-by-play for them right now. And I, I need to give uh, Clint a call. But I think you look at them, you look at the, you look at the pure numbers, and you look at the – the rawness of the schedule. Let's go straight to schedule on them. It's 113. You look at what they've done in the breakdowns, 18 and three against teams, RPI 101 to 200. So my question becomes when they hit a region, when they hit us, if they can get to a super regional, they haven't seen a lot of that high level pitching that you see in the SEC, in the Big 12, in some of the power conferences. They've seen it a little midweek, but midweek's different. And you can take you some, and I'm not saying that Texas State did this earlier this year when they beat Texas in midweek, but you can take a Friday guy, your Friday guy, and throw him on a Tuesday against somebody's fifth guy, and you can get a win. So I think we got to be careful with them. But yeah, anytime you win 44 games, you must be doing something right. Absolutely. Well, I think what helps them too is early on in the year, you know, you really heard about them hitting the transfer portal. Uh, they're the oldest team in, in Division One college baseball. I mean, they have, I want to say, like five or six fifth-year seniors. So, you know, you're essentially taking 18, 19, 20-year-old kids, and then you play Texas State, who's 22, 23-year-old kids. I mean, now you're you're getting into the grown man aspect of baseball, uh, which I think could play a, a huge role in, in that for them. Um, what, give me your your perfect scenario. What does Texas Tech have to do to kind of – um, even if they're stay at a two seed, you know, to get to Omaha, what is, what is the key for them? Um, and you know, to, to get to that, that final, uh, eight, 18. Um, uh, I think, I think for Texas Tech, it starts completely with their frontline pitchers and Andrew Morris and Brandon Bird. So these guys are going to be pro pitchers. Uh, they've got electric stuff. Uh, we mentioned Bird is your big 12 pitcher of the year when they're on, they can go against anybody. So I think the key for them in a regional is get to two and O then you've got to have a couple of guys, whether it's a Chase Hampton or an A.J. Molina who will start tomorrow. Somebody like that, your third or fourth line pitcher needs to come out and give you the game of their life to get to 3-0. and This team is much better suited for a super regional to win two out of three than they are to slog their way through a regional, a four-team regional, where all of a sudden you've got a fourth or a fifth line starter out there and your season's on the line with a guy who's thrown 16 innings on the year. So for Texas Tech, it's, it's just like pitching ahead in the count. They've got to be ahead in the tournament. They've got to get to 2-0, I believe, in regional in order to have a chance. Otherwise, this team hasn't shown me that they can bash their way the way some teams can do and go just win a 14-12, 12-10 game. So it's all about the frontline pitching, Birdsell and Morris. Right. Hey, how, about, how about this middle? Uh, looking at some stats, the infield looks pretty good with uh, Jace John and Kurt, uh, Kurt Wilson, Parker Kelly. Can you just go in a little bit with uh, their hitters on this team? Yeah, Jace Young is the most one of the most complete college hitters I've ever seen. His older brother is Josh Young, who is uh, probably going to be the Rangers starting third baseman at some point this year. He was player of the year a couple of years ago. Jace is a more complete hitter. He can hit to all fields. He doesn't pull the ball quite as much. He's a good contact guy. I just think he's a more complete college hitter. He's probably your number one second baseman in college baseball right now. Kurt Wilson has been around since uh, the Eisenhower administration. He just keeps hanging around. We call him any, anything from Clutch Wilson to the big Kurt. 
to whatever you want. He just shows up in big moments. He's a big rangy guy with an electric arm. He started as a reliever. They wanted him to be a closer, and he didn't locate very well, so they threw him into the outfield, and he was hosing guys from left field. And this year they move him to short, and he just turns plays. Parker Kelly, an honorable mention, big all Big 12 guy. It's, it's, a really, it's a really complimentary lineup. You've got two freshmen that are out there for Texas Tech, Hudson White, the freshman of the year in the Big 12. He's a big, tall, skinny, pale, white kid playing catcher who just, you know, can, can do whatever you want. He's gotten better as the year goes on. Owen Washburn, same type guy who can play outfield, right field. Um, it's, it's a very nice blend of the lineup. And it's only been in the last, really, I think, month that it finally started to stretch out. And by that, by that, I mean that you could get through the lineup and not have a hole in it. And the thing I like about those freshmen that I just mentioned, most of the time college freshmen in baseball get worse as the year goes on because they wear down mentally and physically. They've never played that many games in a season, even though they've grown up playing all year round. The mental strain of playing 56 games at a high level gets to them. These idiots for Texas Tech, they're getting better. Nobody told them they were supposed to suck now. I love it. That's great. Great uh, perspective. If you were to kind of wrap it up on my end, if you were to have a bet for the college baseball uh, tournament, take out Tennessee. Who are you putting your money on for this tournament? I never bet against Vanderbilt that, that if they're in and they're playing and they're healthy, that that's an attention getting team for me every single time. We mentioned Oregon State, that maybe they're not what they were a couple of years ago, even though they didn't win it uh, two, three years ago. I'm trying to remember whether it was 19 or 18 um, that they were so stacked. I like those two. I just kind of feel like this year it's really wide open. And I take the field against Tennessee. I always take the field against the dominant regular season team in college baseball. I've, I've seen it so many times that it just it looks like a lot. And it is the – it's one of the hardest championships to win because you got to do three different things to win it. You got to win a four team regional that's set up one way, then a best two out of three. Then we go to Omaha and you got to win another four team regional, but it's spaced out over multiple days. So you can bring your frontline pitchers back to bear quicker than in the shorter regional. And then we're going to go play another best two out of three. It's insane. How it can, I mean, that would be like the NCAA basketball tournament going, we're going to play a two or three here. Then it's one and done. Then we're going to go a best of four series in the Sweet 16. You get the idea. Field versus Tennessee. I think Vanderbilt can be there. And don't go to sleep on a team that probably won't host. But Dallas Baptist is a really dangerous team. Don't go to sleep on them. I'm not saying they're going to win or anything. But out in this neck of the woods, seeing that team, they got a hell of a lot of talent. Hey, Ryan, my last thing here. Q went for the big thing. I'm still going to bounce back to the tournament here coming up. Cause again, like you said, you, uh, Texas tech opens up against Kansas state done well against them this year. Then if you're winning, you're looking at West Virginia. I think you went two and one and then Oklahoma, which uh, had a tough weekend against Oklahoma last weekend, but same kind of question here. If you were going to take a team, maybe to, going a little bit of a nice couple of days here and maybe pull an upset and win this, maybe a higher seed. Or maybe I'm going to say, no, I'm going to say a lower, like a lower seed, like maybe like a West Virginia or somebody else. Who do you think that could be that could uh, 
pull the upset here and win this tournament. You said it in, in West Virginia, Randy Macy. They've always played this tournament well. They nearly played their way in a few years ago, and the committee, I think, screwed them over when they played to the final day against TCU. Um, I think West Virginia is one of those teams that they've been this close all year long, just missing here and there. They, they drop, a, drop a game in a series here. They drop a game there. Uh, I think they got really good talent. So if you're going to go past kind of the chalk and everything, I'd go West Virginia. If I, I take Tech out of the equation, uh, I think Oklahoma State still day in and day out. And Tech went, went to Oklahoma State and swept them. So saying that. But I think Oklahoma State, particularly if they get rolling offensively, can do it. And I think you got to win this thing offensively because nobody has pitching when this thing gets to Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's just offense. And, and maybe that means Ivan Melendez in Texas, you know, could bash their way. So I just – I hate these conference tournaments. I loved them. I loved them as a broadcaster. I loved them going and drinking beer and watching baseball. But if I were a coach – I would completely get rid of conference baseball tournaments before the NCAA. Right. It's great. You mentioned that point there, you know, you talk about kind of up to hitting. um, And then you earlier mentioned that it was up to, you know, your third and fourth pitchers, you know, guys that have six innings. And I remember sitting, you know, right next to the Vanderbilt dugout last year in, in Omaha and they lose two to one to a freshman who was making his first start. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I mean, NC State, you know, obviously it's a travesty what happened to them, you know, kind of getting rigged out of that last year. But just to see that that freshman come in, they had nobody else to pitch. You know, COVID's hitting them pretty tough. And then he comes out and throws like eight innings, a gem of one-run ball. I mean, that's just – that right there is is what teams need. And, and most teams don't have it. But that one team that does, like you said, a Vanderbilt – yeah, you know, another powerhouse team uh, that you just can never count out like that. That's really what makes the difference. And I'm glad you kind of brought that up. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, the the postseason. Everybody who has great success in the postseason, you're going to find one or two guys, probably one or two pitchers and maybe some hitter who all year long was an afterthought. And all of a sudden they have the greatest three weeks of their life. And that's how you win. Right. I have one tidbit before you go. We like to do a thing we call sticky notes on our show. So my sticky note of the day is, did you know that El Paso, Texas is closer to California than it is to Dallas, Texas? Oh, yeah. It's, it's kind of a big state. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 7.5% 7, 7. of the uh, country. Yeah. I mean, you can, you, can, you can drive 12 hours and not get out of the state. I can drive 12 hours and get to Omaha. That's a problem. Well, Ryan, I hope if if (laughs) you can get Pennsylvania too, but it's a whole different reason. (laughs) If Texas Tech makes it to Omaha, I'll be out there. I hope that you uh, can make the trip and uh, we'll get together. I'm telling you right now, if they, if they make it, we'll be there. We'll be hanging out at DJ's dugout right down the street from the stadium. We'll be doing the show there, eating nachos and having a blast. That's my hangout spot. I'll be right there. My man knows DJs. It's awesome. All right, Ryan. It was great talking to you about college baseball. Let these guys send you off. I had one more. I have one more quick question, if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. Before we let him go, I wrote this. You know, you've covered, you've been with Texas Tech for a long time here. Just as you were talking. 
<laughs> very well we're all getting very old ryan <laughs> you know with the football you know just thinking about some of the players in basketball who's your favorite all-time texas tech athlete and why oh man that's unfair that, that really is unfair and we can go on field off field uh different things uh there, there there's a lot of different guys to choose from um i'll go recent I'll go recent. Norris Odiasi, basketball player during the Chris Beard uh, kind of early years, part of that run. He was the guy before Tech went on the run towards the national championship and everything else who at a players-only meeting, he took away everybody's cell phone. He said, you guys are unfocused. And he took away his teammates' cell phones. And he basically became the minister of culture for that team. And he forced them into a different mindset after a three-game losing streak. And now he is—he's uh, uh, just—he's just a really cool dude. So I'll, I'll go recent with that. If I go any farther back, I'm friends with these guys, and if I mention one, they're going to see this and they're going to get mad. They'll be <laughs> like, "How did you choose I'm sorry. me? <laughs> yeah, why did you choose me?" So I'll, I'll go Norris Odiasi for having the guts to look his teammates in the eye and go, "You guys are unfocused. You suck. Give me your phone." that's good so obviously we can catch ryan on the uh one more podcast we we probably can't catch him on lubbock radio but you know what it's the internet you probably can find a way to get to that radio station if you can and uh we'll be following him probably rooting for his texas tech raiders now this is one of the many teams we'll be supporting in college baseball season here so ryan thanks again for coming on enjoyed the heck out of it you guys are fantastic and can't wait to visit again all right Thanks, Ryan. Have a great night. Thanks, Ryan. Enjoy that rain. We will. <laughs> yeah, stay safe down there. So I learned a lot there. That was some good tidbits as the uh, college baseball noob here. I think I, I made some nice little notes there about, especially with the uh, super regional and the frontline pitching. I thought that was a pretty good little tidbit. And then uh, offense having a lot more value in college baseball than I probably would have initially thought. So I like this. I like coming into a sport where I don't, you know, follow it as much. So it feels a little fresh and I can learn a lot from guys like Q, guys like Ryan, uh, Smitty, Matt, um, some good stuff here. So I think I'm, I think I'm eyeballing some things that I'm going to be betting on. Uh, hopefully all, all these books will carry some lines on college baseball that they're doing a little bit better with it than they have in the past. So yeah, I've, I've got my ears open and my eyes open on this one now. I like it. Q, you, know what, you know, it was funny the other day and I, was going to text Q on this. So looking at the rankings, I didn't know Virginia Tech was doing as well as they were. They're on fire. They're on fire. They're one of the most stacked teams, like one through nine. I think their they're one hitter hits like 400 and their nine hitter hits like 330. I mean, it's just incredible. Like they're, they're going to have a top 10 pick on the team. Pitching's outstanding. And it literally came out of nowhere. I mean, Tech baseball hasn't been good since probably the, the 80s, 90s. And then it was like two years ago, they had an, an AOK season. They made a little run in the tournament and you didn't hear anything. And now they're, you know, potentially the two national seed in the country. It's absolutely crazy. Uh, but it's good for baseball. You know, I think to have these new teams come in like that, um, especially it makes the UVA and Virginia Tech rivalry that much more meaningful. Um, but Jason, I was going to point out with the whole tidbits and stuff in college baseball, do not be afraid to lay a big dog because anything can happen. Like, when you're looking at plus 330 and you're, you know, it, it's one of those, I think you're getting probably more or, or better value at plus 330 than you really realize because anything can happen. I mean, 
hell rice you know rice won a, a college baseball world series you know coastal carolina and they were you know huge long shots so especially in baseball when you're looking at daily lines and you see you know i don't know texas you know texas tech minus 330 playing west virginia like don't be afraid to lay west virginia on that well i was gonna say west virginia is probably the team i'll probably put a little pizza money on to win the big 12 because that was interesting the motivation um it, it almost sounds like to look for bubble teams in these conference tournaments because the teams that are in really want to preserve that pitching. It's probably a unique element to baseball that you don't have in football or basketball, right? Everyone's going to play. They get the same amount of rest. And, you know, in basketball, it's not a big thing to play three out of nights out of four. Teams will do it early in the season, right? No, obviously do it at the end. But baseball, arms don't recover that quickly, right? So you need to preserve those arms. So teams with, I guess, pitching depth have an advantage but it's really hard to determine how much pitching depth you really have. It doesn't sound like everybody has a whole lot. A lot of those guys are probably are in, in the pros or you're getting guys who are kind of like more fringy guys. So it sounds like find motivated teams, teams that need to win to get into the tournament. And then, you know, and then the super regional kind of follow frontline starters, but in the sub regionals look for kind of good offensive teams because there's going to be a, a slug fest somewhere in there because teams are going to be down to their, as you pointed out, Q, like their Saturday or Sunday starters who just aren't as good as their Friday or uh, early Saturday starters. I'd, I'd look for some overs. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, especially like what he just said, Rye made some great points there saying, especially let's use Texas Tech there, saying not going to maybe throw their number one, number two, maybe a guy that doesn't have so many innings. So really look for those overs maybe in some of this. And I mean, I we really got, dove into this last year. I mean, with Q going out there and I was jumping on a lot of games and betting them and stuff. And there was, there was a lot of times I just kept playing the overs and kept winning because it's just the arms, they just get used a lot, you know, over and over. And then you got, like they said, like a guy that's a midweek starter is pitching a key game and against maybe a really good offense. And that's, I thought that was a great point that Ryan brought up there. Dude, looks like the ACC is going to have the most teams in the tournament. Are they kind of like what the big 10 is the basketball where they may have the most depth in their conference, but they may not have a team good enough to actually win it. I mean, you haven't been a really big, big fan of Miami this year. And you mentioned Vlad Tech's kind of come out of nowhere to have this kind of dream season is that, you know, dream seasons kind of usually die in the tournament. So, I mean, is that kind of like, would you make that parallel that the ACC baseball is kind of like Big Ten basketball where you have a good depth of teams, but you don't really have that top end team? Uh, I would. Um, Nails, what do you think? I mean, I think the two, I think UVA has a decent shot. I think Tech too, but outside of that, like, I don't think anybody else really has a run in them. Uh, I mean, here's the thing. So you had teams like Louisville sneaking here at 38 and 16, Maryland 44 and 10, which is an impressive mark. Uh, Virginia, Notre Dame, I'd agree with Jake Cam's analogy. I don't think they have any of the pedigree to, to go. And in fact, I think of the SEC teams that'll get in, I'll bully them around even more. And what Ryan said, I'd rather take a shot on Dallas Baptist or even a uh, East Carolina, if they can sneak back in, than any of these ACT team, ACC teams other than Virginia Tech, only because they're the hot team, right? They're the it team right now besides Tennessee. Hey, remember, Maryland is in the Big Ten, Matt. That's the Big Ten's only chance in this thing from what I can see, (laughs) except for maybe Iowa or Rutgers, probably Rutgers coming in, you know. They're they're still in the ACC, but. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Maryland, look, it's great, you know, what's happening for Maryland baseball. You know, it's always good to see that the schools around us do well, but, I mean, they're just a notch below everybody else. They play in a bad conference. 
you know, you had that one good Michigan run a couple years ago. The last run before that, mid-2000s, was Illinois. And Big Ten just doesn't have any emphasis on baseball. The weather's cold all the time. Like, who wants to go play baseball in June and it's still, like, potentially a, a low of 50 at night? I mean, it just has no draw to play out there unless you're just, you know, kind of born and bred in the Midwest. Um, and that's what Maryland suffers from. They probably – Outside of basketball, like they they serve so much better and more purpose in ACC, and and it's just kind of screwing them in that aspect. I mean, they're not even probably going to be able to host their stadium so piss poor because they just don't put the money in the in the pride in that program. Now, and somebody posted uh, the other day they added a bunch of uh, bleachers. We'll see. I mean, ODU tried to do that last year, and it and they still got turned down. They ended up having to play at South Carolina, so. I mean, it's, you know, it sucks if that's how it has to be, but you got to put money in your program. I mean, NCAA doesn't mess around. Uh, but no, that's a good analogy, Jason. I mean, they're going to get bullied by the the Big 12 and SEC schools. I don't, I don't want to change our dynamic here, but I want to do two quick shout-outs. I'd like to thank the New York Yankees bullpen for absolutely stinking and blowing an easy under for me. <laughs> and then I don't know if you guys caught this. He dropped uh, – Ryan dropped the name Billy Joe Tolliver. Yes, he did. Billy- Billy Joe Tolliver was an absolute superhero on Tecmo Super Bowl. Maybe a little before Q's time. That dude, you could throw bombs, just <laughs> moon balls to Quinn Early and just rack up. Quinn, Quinn Early. Great, great name drop by Ryan earlier. Yeah, I didn't know who that was, to be honest. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, like, he was built like a linebacker. He had like fiery red hair. And uh, yeah. I think he played for the Chargers. I think, didn't he also play with another Billy Joe, Billy Joe Hobart? Or they Billy both Joe on the same Hobart, team? Yeah. And Q, he is, Q, he's a guy who goes out on these uh, pro-am golf tours and just absolutely smashes the ball. Like, like 350 to 400-yard drives. He was actually great, a great golfer. He probably still is, but. Oh, so he's like John Daly, just more athletic. <laughs> Correct. All right. Hey, I, I can get down with that. You go up there and you just, especially if you got a scramble and you got that guy that can just bomb it off the tee and that's gets you guys into the fairway, like bring it on. That's yeah. the guy. Team. I think that's a good lead into, let's just recap John Daly. What was the Twitter? He had 21 cigarettes. Uh, six packs of Skittles. No, 12, peanut 12. M&Ms. Peanut yeah, M&Ms. M&Ms. Which well, is like, it's like an energy. It's like an energy. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, some people have trail mix. Some people eat peanut M&M's, you know, same 18, thing. 18 Diet Cokes. <laughs> then I like what he did after he went to the Hooters and yeah. posed. And then they had big pictures of him at the casino. What a day. What a day. Love I love it. Well, he tweeted. He, it, I mean, it ended up being a fake tweet, but um, they they tweeted. He goes, if I win this tournament, I'm going to Hooters and I'm paying off everybody's bar tab for the weekend. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and what's even greater is the son plays for Arkansas and he's posing with the Hooters chicks right next to him. Well, they got a partner. They got a partner. They got a partner. An yeah. IL deal. Yeah, with Hooters. Yep. Son. Yep. Son. You want to make Matt, a lot so let's of money? Just, let's recap that, Matt, because I do feel bad, Matt. I'm going to say this. I feel really bad because I did not catch. I was doing a bunch of things and I did not know you had Will Z to win it. And I, 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 I felt really bad. <laughs> You want no apologies. I was just fuming. I, I saw it coming. Yeah, like, he talks to us I'm, all I'm like, the time. It's a bit I, with city. <laughs> and the only reason I bet him, so he started out at 22 to 1, which is a, a still a fine number. But he then dropped to 80 to 1 because of his 
potential putting problems. Well, lo and behold, he goes out and just destroys. I actually think his tee to green game is phenomenal. But those last, the, the playoff holes, I know we were arguing with Dr. Brent. I basically think he played that to lose while Thomas played it to Thomas played it exactly right. I, I mean, if you're down a stroke, you gotta, you gotta just go after everything possible. This is the major and he blew it again. All of his putts all week. He, he blocked them. Right. I don't know if it's, it's in his head. I actually think his caddy needs to help him out a little more. All this caddy does to me is basically do that two feet stand over his ball line and doesn't seem to line him up, which I hate. He doesn't talk to him too much. I'm like, oh man, you got to help this kid out. This kid has so much potential and another choke job. It, it just, it just stinks. Maybe I'm not mad in any way. Oh, I know. I was just joking. I didn't know you had it. I had him a, a, a top five, which was uh, a winner for me. I came back. Okay. In this tournament. Um, and I had Tommy Fleetwood top. 20 so that was uh two tickets i cashed yeah. in uh in that tournament so i came out ahead i put a little money on the uh other young kid to finish top three on sunday he did i won a couple uh head-to-heads abraham answer did well for me and i had um chris kirk thank you kaminsky top 20 i believe yeah. Nice jason yeah jason can talk about that yeah yeah my team my the draft team didn't do very well for me jordan didn't play okay. Yama didn't play very well. Kokrak didn't play very well. Adam Scott, I don't know what, what um, I should have just teed it up over than Adam Scott. But uh, I said as soon as I picked my team, I hated it. And I was absolutely correct. It, it's a really unique course because there is nothing about it visually that makes you think this is a really hard golf course. And then you watch these guys, they're not they're like – when they get an approach that's within 10 feet, it's like a win. It's like the old school U.S. Open. And yeah. uh, you just don't see what's causing it to happen. I mean, there's always win there, so I'll give it credit there. And it, it's just a good old course with real subtle greens. But, man, those guys were struggling like crazy. I mean, you understood Saturday because Saturday, the 30-degree the temperature change, course changed completely. You know, they, they, you know, they had to do things to make sure that the course was playable. But Sunday, it got nice, and, like, those guys could not take advantage. They'd be in the fairway and could literally just not get themselves a chance to score on any holes. The one thing I'll say, Matt, about Zalatoris, and I don't know if this was a decision by his caddy or if I will, but I kind of understand the choice for a three-wood on 18. I know you were questioning it because he was spraying it off the the tee box pretty hard. You know, I think he ended up finishing pretty low in uh, driving accuracy. So it's a second-shot golf course. 18 is definitely a second-shot hole. You can't make it, you know, if he, he puts it in the water there, he's to- completely toast with three wood with the adrenaline. He at least gives himself a chance. I understand what you're saying, though, is like give yourself a good chance because you're trailing. You got to force the issue. But yeah, you, you know, so many guys were down in that creek, which looks so innocent <laughs> and like not even that threatening. But man, I swear to God, every drive on 18 looked like it was going in. So that's well, the only thing I would, I would defend Will on that one. I actually like, I don't argue that, but uh, like, I think he made technically made the right play. He put it in a perfect spot, but he left himself 180 in long iron with the wind. And Thomas is down there at 160, throwing darts, has all the momentum. But Tom, you're right on that creek. Thomas was one hop away from his ball trickling into that creek. I totally thought he was in. And yeah. I grabbed Thomas late. That was probably my best bet was grabbing him. Uh, I think when uh, Will, I think when Pereira was on 11, I grabbed Thomas at uh, eight to one. Uh, because you could just tell that he was the only guy who seemed like he had things kind of going on. But I totally thought that he had put that drive into the water 
yeah. and thought like, what was he thinking? The, the, almost the complete opposite. Like hit a three, what ended a fairway? Because all you can do is lose the tournament with that drive. You can't win it. So, so we'll tee it up this week. I'm gonna dive in tonight a little bit, Maddie. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a key out of the gates, Mitty. I'm I'm gonna roll Morikawa. Uh, he actually played well at the PGA. He just could not. He could not make a putt. He could not make a birdie to save his life. Uh, his metrics on this course match, or match up really well. So I already have a little play on him, but I'm going to dig into some other guys. I know a long shot somebody had mentioned to me was Doug Gim to keep an eye on. So yeah. this is down guy, in right? uh, Texas, correct? Fort Worth, Texas. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Doug Gim's a University of Texas player. So he's probably played this course. Uh, Austin's a decent little poke away from Dallas, but or Fort Worth. But I think reading um, this, uh, Jason Koprak was last year's winner. Okay. And That's I think interesting, he's like a, he's a longer player. Right. And this is a course that is tight. Yeah. It's short. This is a short yeah, one. Short, tight. And you got the old school greens cause they've played this forever on the, on this track. So on my notes, if I looked it up correctly, I had him at minus 14 and Jordan was coming in at minus 12 last year. So hopefully that info is correct. Hey, let's, yeah. uh, let's switch gears real quick. Um, just because we had brought up some, Crazy names like Billy Joe Tolliver. We had some OTAs starting. Smitty. Yes, sir. Your boy, your boy Lightning Rod. Uh, Kyler Murray, no show. OTAs. What's your thought? Ooh. Well, you know, I, I get bashed by some people. I'm just not, I'm just not sold on the guy. You know how I feel about him. Uh, I think there's some problems there. Now, can it all, you know, you kind of have that every year, I think, in football. Some guys say they're not going to come and uh, they're not happy maybe with a contract. And then by when the season starts, everything kind of works out here. But, you know, I, I've said it last year, guys. I, I just don't. Arizona is a team that just doesn't do it for me. I'm not high on him. I don't think he makes great decisions. He's kind of lousy, I think, with the football. I think at times he, he can run and now he doesn't run a lot. I'm not high on the head coach. The guy couldn't win in college and he hasn't really done anything there. So again, you know, I don't think he's one of the worst quarterbacks in the league, but I don't think, I think there's so many people that brag this guy up and it's just because of fantasy stuff. And once in a while he can put up some big numbers in a week for fantasy. And I just don't think the real game, he's a very consistent quarterback. It's just really interesting. I mean, I understand he's got 29.7 guaranteed for next year already. They already exercised his fifth-year option. But, you know, he didn't exactly, like, tear it up in that playoff game with, like, and this was missing support. If anything, he was probably the reason they lost that game. Um, I, it seems like the Cardinals, like, their administration, they're saying all the right things. Uh, but I don't think we're, we have any idea what they're actually thinking. And they have to be thinking the same thing of, like, do we really want to commit to this guy. He's basically Baker Mayfield for next year, I guess, right? Where he's got the fifth year guaranteed, but there's no guarantee he's going to be starting quarterback if he keeps this up. I agree with Smitty. You know, he's limited. And, you know, he's not going to get better as he gets older because eventually he's going to slow down. He's not, he's a tiny guy. It's not like he's a short quarterback like Russell Wilson, where he's still like 220. You know, he's just a little, little dude. Like, and he's going to get hit. Um, I, I can totally see them moving on, but quarterback's so hard to move on from. I mean, if you have a guy who's somewhat decent, you almost have to kind of ride with them because it's so hard to find the next one, as we'll learn this year with the Steelers. 
I'm I'm going to stick to my bold prediction. A few, I think we're on the draft. I still think Cliff Kingsbury is going to be the first coach fired this year. What is interesting, they are the um, midseason hard knocks team this year. Yeah. And people have already talked about how they are great out of the gate. So that show in the beginning should be really entertaining. But they have been awful in the back half of their schedule the last few years, especially under Kingsbury. So that could be a really entertaining show of things just getting really bad, <laughs> especially yeah. if Murray's looking for that contract still. Um, <laughs> but, well, I, mean, I think we'll you... get back by that point. So, I mean, things could pick up a little but And that's what I was just going to say, Jason. You know, you have their top wide receiver, Hopkins, out taking all kinds of uh, steroids or I don't know, all kinds of stuff. I don't know what he was doing. Three, con- uh, three cons. He went with the trifecta. He went, and that – what that beaver tranquilizer do or whatever that was. I totally thought that was a joke. I totally thought that was a joke. Yeah, because I said it that one show and you thought I was making it up. I wasn't. I I mean, I I read it. You can't believe it. I saw the story. I saw the story, but I thought, oh, somebody pulled a fast one on the media, like with the beaver tranquilizer, like sneaking it in. And they're like, no, they really found that. It's like, what the hell are you doing, dude? It's crazy. Is there any, before we go here, is there any team I have not dove into it? I'm finalizing work this week and then I have a lot of downtime so I can start diving into it a little bit here, but is there anything with a over or an under with a, you guys have looked at with a schedule with a team coming up that you were like, wow, man, I'm going to jump on that over or an under any, for, any team for NFL? NFL. Yes. I have three that I love, um, and I already locked them in. I got the Eagles a month ago um, at over eight and a half. I believe they're actually up to nine now, maybe even nine and a half. I grabbed the Jets over, I believe, five and a half. I took the Steelers under eight, and I put the Falcons under five and a half. Those are my my four off the top of my head. I also made a couple early plays on the schedule. I took the Vikings week one getting points and there was one other one as well. Maybe, maybe the dolphins week one off the top of my head, just spit fire in here. Yeah. yeah I haven't I, started mine either, but I, I actually like all of those. They, they make a lot of sense. Um, the they, Jets is probably the one I'm most sketchy on just because I, you just don't know, but they, they definitely have improved their football team. Uh, and that division is not, ter- not terribly hard. I mean, New England looks like a 500 team. The Dolphins kind of look like a, a 500 team that also could go six wins or 12 wins. And then, you know, um, which called the Bills are probably going to regress a little just because they were so good last year with all the stats and stuff. But, yeah, I, I, I can see the Jets play. I think it's more of Zach Wilson to be able to take that next step. Them with the Jets, yeah, because I think the Jets have really added on. I think added yeah. really some nice pieces there. It depends on the quarterback. I'm gonna do one more, and it's kind of a shocker. I actually think the Chiefs are gonna come back to the pack this year. I, I mean, the division has gotten so much better. The Chargers made some cute additions. The Raiders added Devontae Adams and uh, another pass rusher, Chandler Jones, across from Crosby. Broncos, of course, got Wilson. I, I think I think the Chiefs lose two games more than they did last year. So I think they're over under total is either 10 and a half or 11. I think I'm going to go under this year. I think it's going to be a I think that division's just, that is the new bully division with all these teams and all the quarterbacks that they stockpiled there. They're, they're probably, that's going to be the battle of attrition who comes out of there. They might get three, maybe even four teams in the playoffs, which isn't unheard of. 
Well, I think too, I don't have the schedule right in front of me right now, but I think from just seeing it like maybe a week ago, I think their first eight or nine games are yeah. extremely hard. I think it's teams that had winning records or yeah. uh, last year, a very hard beginning of that schedule. Um, you know, that's, you get a key injury, you could really go down pretty fast there. So I think that's, that's one team Matt. I, again, I have not locked in on anything I have not really looked but that was one team I was going to look at their win total and maybe look at the under because I think they're going to go back a little bit I mean you have to think you have to think so too they lost their defensive leader in in Tyron Matthew I'm sure there there's somebody else on that team who has just as big a voice but then you lose lose the biggest playmaker in all of football and Tyree Kill and that's not just you can't just grab I know they drafted Sky Moore and brought in some other speedsters uh the kid from Green Bay, Valdez Scanling. I'm sorry. They're not just Tyreek Hill. You can't just throw them out there and have Mahomes get in sync with these guys immediately. So I, I think they regret I think they're still gonna be excellent, but I still think they're gonna regress. I think they're gonna lose two tight games, which drops their their win total to like 10. Yeah, that, that whole division is going to come down to tiebreakers and who beat who because it, it, there's no easy games within the, the four teams. Like, you know, even the Raiders are a better football team probably than they were last year. And they made the playoffs last year. Um, the Chargers will probably be smarter and get there. So, yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. And in Denver, everyone is kind of like, you know, thinks they're kind of a sneaky sleeper team because they got Wilson now on the defense and people will probably be healthy this year. So it makes perfect sense that the Chiefs will come down. Not that they're any worse, just the schedules is that much harder. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I think that's actually a pretty smart play. I, I agree with all your picks so far. I think the Eagles are really probably the only one, too, I would question just because it's just Jalen Hurts. And I think I think you've heard people talk about that. I, I think Matt Yeomans has talked about that. I think uh, Lombardi's talked about that, that whenever people discuss the Eagles, Hurts is the first word out of your mouth because he really is the biggest question. There's another team who had a really good draft, had a really good – was a good team last year, and it's like, can they take another step? Yeah, they've added they've added the most pieces, in my opinion. They added uh... – Davis in the draft and the Kobe Dean. They brought in, they just signed Bradbury. That's a big get for them. A huge get. That's two of the top rated, two of the top 10 quarterbacks in, in uh, all of football. I mean, their divisions, the Giants are, I, I think they're terrible. pretty bad. Terrible. I, I think they're pretty bad. I think the, uh, the, the commanders have the arrow that doesn't know whether to go up or down. It's all dependent on. Of course, the quarterback of Carson Wentz, I, being a fan, think they actually can can pull it off. I think Dallas kind of regresses. I think that's another division where 10 wins actually gets you the division win. Yeah, I think that, I mean, Washington was a solid football team last year, even if the record didn't reflect it. You know, the yeah. Giants are terrible. And Dallas is still talented. You know, they don't always play to it, but so – yeah, no, I haven't started that. I haven't started college football yet. I'm still trying to figure out an MLB model because, man, MLB has been really hard. Um, just, just figuring out, like, what's going on with the, with the ball and when will they put the real balls into play. Uh, <laughs> Smitty, so. I, did, I did do a futures bet you might be interested in. So since we're just spitfiring here, um, I put money on Sky Moore to win Offensive Rookie of the Year only because Kenny Pickett is such a huge favorite. But one, do we even know if he's going to start? Two, how limited are they going to keep him with the playbook in year one? And you think they're going to should feed Najee Harris? Then after that, it's like Brees Hall. But is he going to get the bell cow carries with Michael Carter there too? It's another young team. Do we really want to rush him in? After that, 
all the wide receivers are grouped together, but I'm going to take Sky more because what we said earlier, you lose Tyree kill. Somebody's got to step in there. We know Kansas City's still going to throw the ball around all they can. So uh, I took a little flyer. I think I got him at 13 to one, which is decent. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. yeah. Good argument there. I don't see, I wrote it down there. Yeah. I'm going to dive in. Like I said, in about a week here, I'm going to start trying to look at some of the schedules here. Maybe that's something we can bring up on the show and start breaking down. Um, couple conferences and a couple of these um like you know rookie of the year and things like that on the show here but that's that's good stuff guys i wrote all i wrote all those down i'm gonna look at those as well you can turn right. you can convert all of your uh, hockey winnings into nfl uh, yeah. yeah i, I what's Jay, just real quick i mean yeah it's so funny the hockey one sport i don't really know a lot about i just kind of go with a vibe and kind of have a feeling and doing really well. 14 and eight coming in tonight. I had the Rangers money line tonight. Last time Jason said they were up. I have not checked. So four, four to one, 22 seconds left. You're in the barn on that one. All right, there we go. Get on board, Mr. Puck. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is interesting. I, I'm kicking myself for not taking a lightning series bet. I'm kicking myself for not taking the Rangers bet. You know, I Carolina is a great solid team, but they don't have the same top end talent that the Rangers do, and they don't have the better goalie. Um, so I, I talked myself out of it. I really shouldn't have. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if that holds. And then the West will be interesting if Colorado gets through. Uh, I don't think Calgary or Edmonton can really put up a fight, but Lightning versus Avalanche will actually be a really good series. Unfortunately, no one will probably watch it, but it will probably be like the best finals we've seen in a long time in the NHL. Yeah. Two quick tidbits. So I'm disappointed because I had a ticket on St. Louis and I thought they could pull the upset and then they lose Bennington. That's, that's a coaster shoot done. Now I I will make an argument. I think there is one team in the West. I think that can handle uh, Colorado it, but it's like the Jalen Hurst thing. It's, but it's Mike Smith, but how does he play? Cause Edmonton on paper has the talent to score with them. And they are also the so-called second fastest team in all of hockey right behind Colorado. So Colorado is going to fly around, but Edmonton can actually match their speed. But Colorado has such an advantage in goal over Mike Smith, who's 40 and already dinged up. Uh, If they get past uh, Calgary, they're lucky. I think if they were healthy, it would be a good series with Colorado. But I think how does Colorado not come out of the West? It is shocking. I'm surprised how bad uh, the Oilers and Flames are, or at least like, you know, like the offense and like just no defense at all. The goaltenders don't look as good. Like the Eastern Conference looks so much better than the Western when you watch wow. the games, um, just the nature of the games. It looks like playoff hockey. That Alberta series looks like insanity. It looks like an AHL final uh, because it just, you see guys running guys. I, if you watch that game at all, there's no surprise that Lucic went after them as a goalie because, uh, what you call it, Edmonton had been running the Calgary goalie the first two periods of the game, just constantly skating through the crease and hitting that guy for no reason. And it's just like, all right, it's already a rivalry. I guess we're going to make it that, a fun rivalry. So but, You didn't um, see the Hanson boys come out of the crowd there. I didn't, but I wouldn't be shocked. There's, there's, and you, you can pick any three guys out of that Edmonton crowd, and they probably could do the same thing. I mean, yeah. <laughs> In the, in the, real quick, we've hit on all sports. The NBA, it's like Pauly and uh, Mitch say they've been doing that largest lead over 17. I mean, these games are just crazy because they're just blowouts. Yeah. I had I had Al Hort- uh, Hortford last night over 21, 22 and a half uh, points 
rebounds and assists just fell short because it was such a blowout. They took them out. And, yeah. um, you know, the Celtics really needed it. I'm a Celtics fan. They really needed that game. Good energy last night. You know, you have so many guys out. Marcus Smart didn't play. Um, oh, um, Tyler Hero didn't play last night. Uh, who was the other? Uh, Jimmy Butler was maybe not going to play, and then he did play, didn't play very well. So, I mean, every game, I didn't touch it tonight. I, you know, that can, is Dallas going to get run out of the gym and get swept in that? There's a very good possibility. So, I stayed off that soon. I had Good. I was say we actually have a close game right now. We're halfway through the second period, and it's only a three-point margin. So there actually may be a game. It's still in doubt in the second half for once in this uh, round of the playoffs. There you, there you go, because yeah. it's been ugly. Dallas just jumped up six uh, on a big three. So I had some bets last night that really burned me. So tonight my plays are I actually took uh, Kevin Kavon Looney of the Warriors to have over six and a half points. He's got three halfway through the second, so – I'm on pace. But then again, last night I had the backup point guard for the heat to have over six and a half. He shot two of 10 and got me six points. I'm like, bro, you can, you can get a layup down the stretch. You're down 30. Just, just go to the hole and and take a layup. (laughs) I mean, two foul shots, anything. No, forget it. I've I've been burned so bad lately. Uh, My other plays were JD Martinez over a run and over an RBI. I've cashed that. That was a nice hit. And I had the Yankees Orioles under destroyed by the Yankees bullpen. Yeah. Real quick. I'll recap mine tonight. I, um, under gray, the picture for the Nats. I stole that off the prop queen. Um, I like her stuff. I played her, um, number tonight under five and a half K's. That was a winner. I have, uh, the Yanks over four and a half runs. That's a winner. I have Arizona tonight over four and a half runs, the Astros over four and a half runs, and I have the Twins on the run line minus one and a half tonight. And last time I saw they were up two nothing. So we'll see. And I hit that hockey game. So we'll see. Had a good night last night, four and two. We'll see how we do tonight. I'm sorry. I do have one more play. I took Arizona to cover the run line tonight. Uh, Minus minus one and a half. Yeah, minus one and a half. You got Zach Allen going, so that's, that's been a pretty good bet so far this year, so that makes sense. And Smitty, Houston's looking good out of the gate. They've got three on the board and uh, two on here. Very nice. Very nice. Let's get – I need to heat up here in a little bit with baseball here, so let's get after it. So, All right, boys, I got nothing else. Nope, that was it, man. Great – another great guest, man. Ryan, I enjoyed Ryan. Great info. Pull for Texas Tech baseball. Let's go. Let's win it. All right. Oh, as always, as somebody likes to say, bang your bookies. Thanks for listening to The Notebook, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to The Notebook Wagering Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any episodes, and be sure to follow at Notebook Wagering. Until next time.